This is BayCare Health Chat. I'm Amanda Wild. Hip fractures are serious business and most require medical intervention. Today, we'll look into types of hip fractures, causes, treatment, and prevention with Dr. Anthony V. Florschutz, orthopedic surgeon at BayCare. Thank you for stopping by, Dr. Florschutz. Hello, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Now, how common are hip fractures and who's at risk? So hip fractures are a common orthopedic injury that we see. There are approximately about a quarter million hip fractures in the United States that occur every year. And we expect by 2050 that this number is expected to double. There are different types of hip fractures, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But about 98% of these hip fractures do occur in patients who are older than 50 years old. And the average age is about 70 to 72 years old when the hip fracture does occur. So the risk increases as we age, as the bones may begin to lose density, but it can also happen as a result of trauma. Why can a hip fracture be really a life-changing event? So as a life-changing event, hip fractures can cause increased morbidity and mortality in patients, which basically means that there can be subsequent issues that do occur. They also are an indicator of poor bone health and can also cause decreased ambulation in patients, which can result in other medical issues to occur. Let's talk about the types of hip fractures. Are some worse than others? There are different types of hip fractures. There are ones that occur through what we call the femoral neck, and those can be treated via a few different modalities. Typically, operative intervention is indicated for those. And then there are other hip fractures that are called intertrochanteric hip fractures, which also do require operative intervention in the vast majority of patients. Yeah, I was going to ask, what steps do you take with patients after you've diagnosed a hip fracture? What happens next? So standard protocol that is established and becoming a national standard is that hip fractures need to be addressed within 24 hours and they need to be treated with operative intervention when possible within 24 hours. We found that through looking at many studies that patients who do receive this care have a lower incidence of any subsequent illnesses and complications after breaking their hip and also that we're able to get the patients up and walking much faster. Why is that? So the longer a patient is laying in bed, this is just as an example of a potential complication that could occur. If somebody is laying in bed for a longer period of time, they have increased risk for thrombosis in their lower extremities and also could potentially also have problems with their lungs and develop pneumonia. So you talked about surgery. Is that the main treatment option for most of the hip fractures that you see? Most hip fractures, I would say 99% of hip fractures do require surgical intervention. The exception would be patients who are under hospice care and do not desire to proceed with surgical intervention. Otherwise, the main intervention for a hip fracture is operative intervention. So for those who do get surgery, what are the expectations a patient should have during treatment? And what are the short and sort of long-term results that we should keep in mind? 
So short-term, when the patient presents and is diagnosed with a hip fracture, they should expect, in general, a workup by both the medicine team and the orthopedic team. And if there's any sort of optimization for any coexisting conditions, that would be performed expeditiously at that time. Subsequently, we'll proceed with going to the operating room. The operative interventions typically take about an hour in time, an hour, sometimes even less than an hour. The patient wakes up. The majority of our fixation techniques nowadays are good enough and are successful enough that we are able to allow the patients to walk immediately after the surgery. Right after the surgery, there is significant decrease in the pain that is being caused by the hip fracture, although there is some pain also that does occur with where the incisions were made and depending on what procedure was done. But the goal is is to have the patient up and walking by the next morning. It's amazing. And that's also an amazingly short surgery time. Yes, the surgery times do vary, but I believe that most of the surgeries, at least in my hands, take one hour or less for the the management. And when you say people are walking so soon, within 24 hours after the surgery, is there further rehabilitation in store after the surgical repair? Yes, there's typically physical therapy that follows the intervention or after surgical repair. This usually carries on in the outpatient setting. We look very much at how the patient was walking prior to the fracture. So if they were using a cane or not using a cane or using a walker. And the goal is to try to get them back to that baseline. Sometimes with older individuals, it's difficult to get them back to the baseline. And we know probably in about 10 to 20%, the new baseline there is increased need for an assistive device. So for instance, if somebody was not using a cane, they may need to use a cane after the surgery. Or if they were using a cane, they may need to transition to a walker as more of a baseline ambulatory status. But it is not uncommon that patients get back to their full ambulatory status after fixation of the hip fracture. And it sounds like improved techniques bring improved outcomes as well. Yes, that is very true. Now that we've talked about everything that we can do after a hip fracture, what can we do, if anything, to prevent getting one in the first place? Are there steps we can take in terms of prevention? So I think in general, good bone health is very important. And this is something that can be addressed from primary care physicians and treatments can be initiated at that time. And some are as simple as daily exercise, such as walking on a daily basis and making sure that the bone is being stimulated to stay strong, a healthy diet, and there are also supplements that can be taken. And then there's medications in the more extreme cases that can be taken in order to prevent bone loss and in some cases even regenerate bone. Oh, really? Bone can be regenerated? There are certain new medications that are out there that actually grow bone, so to speak. So really the key is talking to your primary care physician about what you can do to keep your bones healthy, but also if you do get a fracture, prompt surgical repair and rehabilitation are the important parts of recovery. Yes. 
And I think initially, prior to any sort of hip fracture, it is a question that should be asked as people get older, if they can ask their primary care physician if there's anything they can do to improve their bone health and what are the options for that. After a hip fracture and identification of poor bone health, it would be very beneficial to continue working on bone care through the primary care physician and orthopedic surgeon and have discussions with them in regards to how bone health can be optimized. Excellent. Dr. Florschutz, thank you for all the important information on bone health after a hip fracture and what we can do for both recovery and prevention. It's good to speak with you today. Thank you very much. And that wraps up this episode of BayCare Health Chat. Head on over to our website at baycare.org for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. For more health tips and updates, follow us on your social channels. Always remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all other BayCare podcasts so we can share the wealth of information from our experts. I'm Amanda Wild. Until next time, be well.